welcome to this ninth episode of Feldenkrais Moving into the Unknown, our podcast. We welcome today Russell and Linda Delman. Uh, we're delighted. It's Heidi and Libby this time conducting this, this uh, conversation. We're delighted to welcome you both, Russell and Linda, and uh, really from a great distance away because we're spanning from Heidi in far north Queensland down to Melbourne and across the globe to the New York region. Um, it's still possible, I think, with this Zoom uh, facility to feel like we're in the same room. So mm. that's, um, that's really lovely. So I guess we want to um, just delve into the heart of the matter of your embodied life school. So I want to introduce both of you. You both have like incredible um, biographies. There's a lot of information here. So I'll try and do it justice. And uh, just a bit of background for people listening. Um, firstly, Linda has been a consultant and educator in so many fields across the globe in psychology and spirituality and uh, has a lot of uh, special skills as covering a lot of areas of spatial dynamics, um, sacred dance and I think psychology across all domains of psychology and anthropology, I think. Um, and Linda's actually written several books, uh, in The Standing Gestures of the Embodied Life School and Movement Essentials, uh, which I think reflects their work in the Embodied Life School. And together, Russell and Linda been married for 47 years, so that's a really enduring partnership uh, together and you're working together as well. Um, Russell uh, has dedicated his life to the study of consciousness and trans human transformation um, since also the beginning the area of human psychology and uh, many, many years of Zen meditation in your background, Russell, and movement awareness. And I guess um, uh, there are other, other influences on you which you might like to elaborate on, but um, you were personally trained by Moshe Feldenkrais, I understand. And Linda. We, we both Linda were. Also. Oh, both you. I, I, I apologise, both of you. So... That's deeply interesting uh, to us as Feldenkrais students at the moment. We're qualified ATM awareness through movement teachers currently studying functional integration. Um, so your background, both of you in training Feldenkrais practitioners is, is very extensive as well as uh, then um, spinning off into into your own work, and I guess that's where um, I need to ask the question: uh, How did that begin at your relationship with Moshe from the beginning? How was that? With you, okay. Russell. Got <laughs> a few hours, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I 
I was, um, uh, I would say, blessed to discover Zen meditation in 1970 and have continuous practice of that for the last 50 years and um, was very interested in somatic psychology. And then I heard about Moshe Feldenkrais from someone I respected a lot. And he was doing his first uh, training and, uh, in San Francisco. And it was an intuitive leap. I didn't know anything about the work except that it was highly recommended. A friend described it as the leading edge of what I was interested in, in terms of consciousness, awareness, and the body movement. And uh, so I took the leap and uh, joined the training. Uh, Linda was always very interested. She couldn't do the first training, but she would come and visit as a, as a guest and, and got the bug. So she joined the second training that started five years later. In the meantime, you know, we went to visit him in Israel and uh, got to spend time with him. Yeah. So, so we were, uh, got very close with him actually. Uh, I was one of the first people chosen to be a trainer when he couldn't train people any longer. And, um, you know, together we have trained many, many people, more than 3,000 people when we go to all the 50 plus trainings we've been part of. So quite an extensive career. And after he had his first stroke, I had the great opportunity to go and stay in Israel and give him functional integration lessons. And we got even closer during that time. And what was also true, what Moshe always knew was that before I started with him, I was meditating and the Zen tradition was very important to me. He very much respected the Zen tradition. We had numerous conversations about it. So I started, oh, after about 15 years of consistent Feldenkrais practice and uh, maybe 10 years of being a trainer, realized that in my private practice and when I was doing seminars on my own, I would want to also teach people meditation because there are certain things I realized you can learn in movement that you can't learn in sitting, in meditation. And there are certain things you can learn in meditation, the sitting meditation, the way we teach it, that you can't learn in movement, in my, or very rarely learn in movement. So I was feeling a little bit, um, I, I couldn't bring certain things that were important to me into the trainings in a way that was respectful of the trainings. Mm -hmm. I was also for a very long time working with how feelings and emotions live in the body. And it, I couldn't directly work with those. Uh, certainly indirectly, we work with those in the training. So I started to have a parallel path in the mid-90s of running Feldenkrais trainings with Linda. And I started doing embodied life retreats and seminars until about, oh, the early 2000s, I had a real realization. I said to myself, if I only had five years left to live, what would I be doing? And I said, I need to really focus on, as much as I value and respect the Feldenkrais teaching as a complete path, I needed to bring my life path forward. So I created the Embodied Life School and the Embodied Life Trainings 
to have that. And it was about a five-year period where I was doing both. I had my Feldenkrais trainings, our Feldenkrais trainings, and the Embodied Life teachings. Uh, and then at certain point it became, you know, I just have to focus on this. Mm. You know, that's exactly what Moshe said. You know, he said, don't, don't be a me. He said, right, get your own handwriting. Take from the Feldenkrais work and make it your own. And so, especially I think in the early, the first training program, uh, a lot of his colleagues, which I got to know very well, uh, Linda Tellington-Jones, uh, Roger Russell, um, they, they really did make their own handwriting and, and create what lived in their heart and mind. And the embodied life is uh, Russell's heart and mind. And, um, I really was the joy of joining that uh, about five years ago. So um, it's it's uh, interesting. I wonder for people because it's a bit mystifying, you know, to hear the word embodied life. Right. Uh, how did uh, how did that come to be, and how would you describe the the way that reflects what you actually deliver? Yeah, well, one thing that I, I feel, um, oh, I guess a little bit of uh, pride about maybe, although I don't think pride is the greatest feeling to have, is embodiment has become such a popular word, but back then it was unknown. It was, uh, it was really one of the, it was just coming in. And when I first heard it, I didn't invent it, but when I first heard it, I had the sense, oh, oh, this is what I'm really working with. What is that? It's how when we can be present in our bodily experience, that's a ground, an infrastructure for being present in the world. Mm. And I, through my Zen practice, and Zen's a very physical practice, it's learning to sit and be present in your body. And I realized that, oh, the essence of what I, what I want to help people get is through Feldenkrais movement, and especially some of the Zen monks I worked with, they really needed the movement work, uh, through the sitting practice, and through the third element, working with how we carry feelings in our body. Not turning it into psychotherapy, but awareness of how we embody, how we carry in our bodies our lived experience. Embodiment is about carrying in your body, being present in your body for your lived experience, how you meet your relationships, how you meet your breath, how you meet a difficult conversation. Can you be, pre can you be grounded in your body? Can you be breathing? Can you know when you're clutching and be, bring your awareness and your, your kindness to that? Mm. So embodiment implies something much larger than the physical body. Mm. It implies the human being being present through the body. Mm. And that the idea, um, Linda, of just the spaciousness, I guess, the thing that's that I'm interested in is the the time 
and space elements that, that you bring into your work and the idea of us as human beings having both the inner world and then our relationship to the outer outer world and outer environment um what what what's a uh, it's a very interesting journey to go from the feldenkrais world which i i benefited from so much i was always a uh i was a gymnast i i was i was someone who could do every movement easily and uh but i wasn't as well organized really as as collected as i needed to be some people need to come and be collected some people need to come and and just get a little more opened and looser in the feldenkrais method i've noticed but um the the work of really going inside with the feldenkrais work and experiencing the relationship of every bone experiencing the directionality the relationality of the whole bony system in terms of uh, one's psyche and one's actions in the world and one's thinking uh, was so beneficial uh, for me and i we finished when Russell decided to do the embodied life school. I found myself going into sacred dance. And it was through sacred dance that I discovered this relationality with the other in an upright movement in a spacious quality, like more like what Moshe did with choreography with us at the ends of lesson, you know, he would have 200 of us moving at the same time, uh, which I think people don't probably do so much anymore. But uh, with sacred dance, you enter in like Zen, with Russell's Zen practice in a similar way, you enter into um, another atmosphere. And of course, there's also music, living live piano music to classical music which is very formed and there is an entrance into a spaciousness with others that uh, gives a kind of new for me a new introduction to levity to wholeness uh, and to an open quality of sensing what's around me in, a, in many, many, many degrees of spaciousness. So then joining the embodied life work, they all came together. So that I had the ground and I had all the space around and could re really be formed by the space and informed by the skeleton. So I think sometimes with Feldenkrais, I know Moshe did allude to this, but I, I tend to get sometimes sucked into my internal self and the environment becomes nothingness. But you're really speaking to this being one almost entity. Yeah, this, yeah. this is a critical part of the embodied life teachings is that we can't be whole in ourselves. We can be whole when the physical body, what we call the feeling body, the mental structures, our symbols, our thoughts, 
and the environment, what we call the greater body, are all together. That's integration. We can't be integrated. We can't be whole in, the, in our skin boundary. Awareness, and Feldenkrais knew this, just I believe he would have been working toward this direction. Awareness is larger than the physical body. Awareness is larger than the individual nervous system. We are connected to each other. Our systems are connected to each other and to what we can call the greater body. Certainly gravity is part of the greater body. This earth is part of the greater body. Uh, the atmosphere around us. And you can keep growing that out to where, for example, in meditation, you begin to have the experience of the dropping away of the body, the dropping away of the individual mind into what we call spaciousness. And you find that spaciousness is part of our, is awareness, awareness is spacious. And so what we find is it's really healthy to get a good boundary, a good skeletal sense. I am here on this spot. I am grounded. I can feel myself. But that is a beginning. To end there is too small. The physical body is too small for the human being, for, for awareness. It's too small for love. It's too small for what really moves the human being. And so to have that is essential, but it's not enough. We also need the greater body as part of our living experience. Not theoretically, not just, not as new age talk, not as a concept, but in how we move and how we begin to experience awareness itself as including our space. So would you say that as you evolve, I guess, in, from your internal self, that yourself becomes bigger, literally, that you, you not necessarily interact and respond, but you become that whole space? Is that how? Well, almost, Heidi. I would say it more like it's not that you become bigger. It's that you realize you always were. Hmm. So it's not like you're growing something new. It's that you're entering the territory that's been here, but you have not been guided to include it as part of your being. The people who get closest to it mostly don't do it in a healthy way. They disassociate or they get blasted out of their body. Yeah. But they don't have the ground. So or they use drugs or that, some, right. something that they can't consciously, can't be conscious right. so, doing. <laughs> so we really need a, a, a real balancing of deep embodied here-ness, structure, physical body, breath, ground. Uh, I can feel my movement. I can sense the interconnections. And what we call the personal space, which is right around the body, and then the greater space, which is as far as you can sense into. And there's, there's also my experience with, with the ground, and I can't underline that enough. <laughs> One doesn't do any of this work without the ground. And so we do spend a lot of time 
really, uh, we have many Feldenkrais students in the Embodied Life programs, and we're grateful for them because they really know how to do that. Um, at least they have the skeleton, they have the bony system. They don't necessarily know ground in the way that we develop it. It's, it's a life's work for anyone, really. Um, but once you have that kind of security and safety, and you have this capacity begins to arrive where the outer environment has a kind of speaking with us. And we can respond and sense this speaking. It's, it's as if uh, like the native people, the stars would speak to them and they would speak back. Yeah. Well, we know that nature speaks. We know that the environment speaks, but the capacities begin to develop uh, not an oversensitivity, but an aliveness, a presencing, an awakening of ourselves and nature together. Mm. And it's, it's quite a gift. Linda, I know um, I've heard the two of you deliver, delivering, you know, a part of your program recently. And I know you... You use uh, this wonderful style of um, delivery between the two of you. It was the most gentle experience to be invited into, uh, into, uh, I suppose, looking at our inner life. But I wonder if you want to give us a little, um, just a sense, a sense of that. You use the most wonderful metaphors, poetry, um, quotes from Rumi. Uh, I wonder if you want to speak to that and just uh, let our listeners know the kind of experience it is, what, what it means to actually look at our inner life, um, the grounding experience, the experience of sitting meditation, um, and uh, this, then, of course, your gestures and standing meditation you know what else is is there in there for people what else do you use <laughs> well uh, with the growing capacities of uh, that i think everyone is much more available for these new capacities um as as we've all been seeds of consciousness and we are evolving thank goodness uh, <laughs> but um, maybe we could stand together and do a little practice. And would that be helpful? Yeah, that'd be fun. Right. Just be mindful too that we're mainly podcasts. So if we can have it. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where are oh, you standing now? Feeling aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's just come to stand together and. Begin to get your feet and your legs underneath you. And just la allow the arms to hang simply. You can just look toward the horizon and sense your breathing. How the inhale and the exhale 
have a rhythm. Learning to listen to the breath and to the rhythm. Learning to pay attention, to sense. These are doorways into embodiment and to presence. We begin to sense the soft part of the foot, the sole of the foot. And then the toes and the heel, the bony parts in front and behind and around. Begin to imagine here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's spring and down there you're, you're fall, looking toward winter. And so these roots, we'll imagine these roots coming down from the middle of the foot, breaking through the earth. With our attention, we'll imagine large, deep, old roots seeking nourishment from the earth through the layers of the earth with our imagination. And you might notice you're also dropping in a little more into the pelvis and into the legs. Because your whole body, your whole organization is finding its way to stand in this field of gravity. And slowly as we go down, we know in the Feldenkrais work from Moshe that there's this other force that comes up to meet us from the earth. The elastic forces, he called them, that when we, our weight is received, when we are received, there's a force that pushes up, up, up through the legs as we're coming down. So imagine this upright force coming through the pelvis, up through the spine, and begin to use your hands to come up, up, up. So that you sense the down in the legs and the arms rising up like a plant would rise up or the tree would rise up. And then as we're rising up, we also realize that from the sun, from the planets, from the atmosphere, from rain, from clouds, from wind, from minerals, we are receiving through the top of our head and the top of our fingers, we're receiving forces from above that come down, down, down through the body. And then the forces from below are going up, up, up. And there's this circle of life in us, whether it's spring or autumn, we have this connected field. Just stand for a moment longer and sense the up and the down, 
And slowly let the arms just come down to the horizontal plane. Kind of a balance. Maybe you could think of the equator here with the north and the south. And here we stand in this balanced spot. And slowly we let the arms come down. And we imagine that we are held. Maybe you can even sense some more of that holding from above, that vibrancy and the force of holding up from below and the depth. And this is one of the beautiful imaginations of what it means to truly be human, that we are a balance between heaven and earth, earth and sky, that when we walk through the world, that we're, we're formed and informed by all this, the below and the above, everywhere we go. It's part of us. So thank you for your attention. We'll bow a little bit together just in gratitude. In gratitude that we have this capacity to sense and to imagine a different kind of life. Thank you, Linda. That was beautiful. It really gave me a taste of, you know, a small element of your work. But what I'm really starting to sense is that obviously Moshe had his platform as Feldenkrais and it's quite a big sense of work, but you're really extending this humanness and the living element of being in yourself. And Moshe talked about thinking, sensing, feeling and doing. And obviously the feeling is a part of it. But to me, it keeps like jumping out in the Feldenkrais modality for me, I don't have enough feeling in there. I don't have enough ways to process, to understand, or even to, it feels like something's held back. Could you mm. explain to me how you have in, in, included this emotional um, element in your work? One thing before you talk, because something came to me earlier. I was, uh, thinking about Moshe, and I was thinking about feelings. And we have to remember, he was Israeli. Yes. <laughs> you know, every, every great founder comes from where they come from. Mm. And he also was of a generation where we don't talk about feelings. Yeah. Even his life story, like he, he can't, you had to, you couldn't sit in your body and feel, you had to walk, you know, to get out of your situation and just <laughs> right. deal with it. I mean, it wasn't his uh, milieu. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't his way. So just that had really come to me like, mm. oh, of course he did. That wasn't his generation. Mm. And he, he did was. acknowledge it. But as you said, it's, there's something else that's there. But he so had this rough. idea that if you did it correctly, you wouldn't have to have feelings. Yeah. No. Anyway. No, you didn't have to work on the feelings. Right, but, but you, would, you would digest them easier. You're, you're talking about emotions. All oh, right, right. Okay. There's a different, I mean, this is, this is a, a bit of a seminar. <laughs> <laughs> it's things, emotions and feelings. It's, 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 uh, 
it takes some uh, some time to do that. So I want to stay more general. Mm. Let's let's just say, um, I'm guessing that right now you're curious. Would you would you agree? Yes. Maybe That's, some of the <laughs> very much of so. Yes. Are listening right now are curious. If you pause for a moment, maybe even close your eyes and bring your attention into your belly, your chest, kind of the energy of your body. Not so much your physical body, but the way you feel things. How do you know curious is the right word? What is alive in your physical experience, deeper than your bones even, that says, oh yeah, I know I'm not bored. What is it that tells you curious is right? Do you have anything there? I do. Um, so it's almost like the energies for me is coming out from my body towards you and it's almost trying to grab and grapple at you. And, and your gesture is a beautiful expression from the inner life, <laughs> from the feeling life. So we do a lot with gesture. Yeah and a lot with getting in touch with how the inner body or what we call the feeling body speaks. And we always have feelings. We don't always have a particular emotion. Emotion is a, is a much more specific wavelength of a very wide territory called feeling. So feeling is like the sun shining and a particular ray might be an emotion. But we have many feelings that are not emotions. You know, I, I might feel tired. I might, that's not a, an emotion particularly, but my body will let me know what tired is, will let me know what, what curious is, will let me know the, the emotions also, will let me know what sad is like. And, but every emotion even is its own particular what we call felt sense. It, it, it lives in the body and it has some kind of story connected to it. But each, if we really want to let our life unfold in a natural way, get out of our stuck places, it's really helpful to sense our feelings in our body and find language often in metaphor or imagery, that the inner body says, yes, that's what it's like. And that kind of specificity, the, the feeling body is actually much more specific than the thinking mind. So we want to learn how to connect the sensations of the body with often poetic imagery or, or gesture or even sound that the inner life we could say the feeling parts of your brain, which are very much midbrain, and the cortical parts of your brain become aligned with the lower parts of your brain that are more connected to just your bodily sensation. And when that neurological alignment occurs, we 
life wants to move forward. Life unfolds easier. We don't just keep returning to the same emotional state over and over again and maybe have a good cry or a good yell and we feel better, but then the same thing comes back again. To really move forward, the awareness is the key. But the awareness is not mental only. It's not feeling only. It's not body only. And it's not only about the environment, the external situation. It's about all of those integrated together. Mm. So it's very precise. It's very precise what integration is. But most people just throw the word around and don't really get the depth that we're talking about mm. and would would you say that a lot of this work is then um really deep listening and observation of what's going on in each of those different domains you've just mentioned and to be able to then um uh well whatever state of being that is being able to recognize that in some way and then connect that with um, what's happening in everyday life. How do you encourage yeah. people to do yeah. that? Yeah, Libby, it's really, it, it's not, it, it begins with recognizing, but we even have to go a step further. In a lot of traditional uh, spiritual language, they'll talk about witnessing, or now the big word is mindfulness, noticing things. But that's a good step, but it's not complete. That brings us to the door. But to go through the door, we need to become intimate with the experience as it is. And intimacy is how this, to feel it in your body, to, to have the right names and words for it, to sense its meaning in your life, how it's connected to the world around you, and to just be able to be with all of that in a way that your whole inner life feels acknowledged, welcome. You're not standing back looking at it or calling this good, this bad. You are entering the reality of your embodied experience. Mm. And I guess, I guess some people might, um, think oh well hearing that that we might need to be using language to describe this um, what's going on but I'm just recalling the fact that that we have um, the way you put it I think was an inner language and then an inner conversation and also then we have a, a public language can you explain a bit more about that yeah yeah, so public language, the language we're all used to, is, lives mostly in our left hemisphere. <laughs> and things like, oh, how are you doing? I'm anxious or I'm sad. Now, that's wonderful when you just want to have a quick communication. But when, you're, when you really want to sense what's true, Anxiety, it's kind of like it will bring you to the right city, but not to the right house. Anxiety is a big concept. What is this anxiety? Oh, I'm 
worried if I'm being understood right now. I'm making this up, but let's make believe. Okay, now the anxiety of not being understood. Now I'm at the right street in that city. <laughs> let's see, I'm, am I gonna be understood? Oh, maybe, oh, oh, maybe this is one of those times where, where I'm, they start judging me and I start feeling insecure. Now I'm at the right house. It's bringing up that old insecure, oh, it's like, oh, I'm kind of like a little boy frightened about being understood or not understood and I'm feeling that squinchy place in me. Now my inner life feels seen and heard. Anxiety was the public language. This is the actual experience. Squinchy. squinchy. I love that. Squinchy. <laughs> squinchy. Never heard squinchy before. And what's amazing, what's remarkable mm -hmm. is when the inner life feels seen, heard, acknowledged, and welcomed, it lets go. That's the power of awareness. If we only stay in public language, it doesn't feel really heard. And a lot of psychology lives in public language. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And then it also becomes, it's not only that it's, it's given all that and you hear, but it becomes a, then a resource that when you next feel anxious, you, you will think, oh, is it that kind? Is it that? Oh, oh, no, this has a little different flavor to it. You begin to know thyself because you're listening, you're wondering, and or if it is that squinchy, oh, there's the squinchy again. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and you, you build these relationships with the places that you uncover and you experience. And some are very old friends. Some are old enemies. And mm. those you keep closer. <laughs> this, say. Is, this is a big move that Linda just identified. It's a big move to be able to say, hello there. I the eye of awareness mm -hmm. says hello to the anxious place. Mm -hmm. I am not anxious. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is one of the, the 10 million things that can live inside of me. Mm -hmm. And I can take care of it. That's awareness function. Mm -hmm. and, and the eye can help us help. It's like the... the guest house poem, right? It's, it, yes. <laughs> we have all these guests living in us, and our job is to be spacious, to allow them space, and to listen to what they need, as if we have this orphanage of children living within <laughs> us that needs care, and needs listening, and needs uh, our presence, and needs our laughter, and needs all of that. But, but without the education, without the experience, one just is those things. Right. They take over. We, we get hijacked. Take over. And, and we can pretty much tell when uh, a really great clue is when the thoughts are repetitive and they're the same thoughts. We know the eye isn't functioning properly. And it's not, that's not the eye speaking. That is just the old the old tape that wants to go down that road. Is that kind of a, a cue then for yes. uh, deeper listening? And I've heard you refer to it as resource building. 
and right. and, yeah. and Moshe was so his main subject. I think a lot of Feldenkrais people don't see this so clearly. His main passion was the freedom of the human being, mm -hmm. the possibility of that. Even in body and mature behavior, he talks about the conditioned self and how do we move beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so the awareness is essential for freedom. Without awareness, we must repeat the past, whether it's in movement or in relationship, we'll end up in the same relationship, even if we get divorced, we'll end up in the same next relationship. <laughs> we will repeat the past without awareness. And without presence, you can't be aware. Mm. So we work with this, we become embodied so that we can be present. Presence is a precondition of being aware. Awareness is needed to get free. Mm. So it's a direct line from embodiment to presence to awareness to freedom. And I will add to love after freedom. <laughs> it's a path of love becoming aware, waking up. It's a path of love and loving what lives in here so that I can move more freely in my life because I'm not repeating or, or pushing away or putting under the rug. Uh, but really this, and again, coming to the ground, it just gives you that kind of security where you no longer have to be, you don't have to be somebody. <laughs> you don't have to have all this uh, trimmings of being something. Mm. Um, one can really be just like the tree. <laughs> but just a human being and and there's freedom in that as well yeah, yeah. what would you uh, i'm really curious that um there's lots of people obviously the way we enter our world is there's there tends to be a tendency to actually retract and disembody and it actually is quite fearful and scary to actually step into what you're talking about okay. can you speak to what that initial sort of can you give some encouragement or you know <laughs> ideas of yeah. how to get to that initial yes place? well two very important things one is warmth you know when you can have what gesture we use a lot is we place our our hand usually our left on our chest and we really listen to Oh, hi. <laughs> and we feel, we sense the weight of it, the shape of it, the temperature of it. And if you hang out for a couple of minutes, you'll feel yourself getting a little different. You just kind of drop some of the edges of uh, the not, not wanting to be here. Uh, and the other is humor, which Aussies are famous for. And <laughs> so are the Delmans. <laughs> so the, to have humor, to, to be kindness with warmth and humor, to forgive us for we know not what we do. You know, just okay, you know, the benefit of the doubt. It's all right. We're all full of all this stuff. And we're, we're moving forward slowly but surely.
Yeah. yeah. So that would be my two, warmth and humor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I would say uh, those are great. And the wonderful thing is that people underneath their fear, deeper than their fear, want to be present and want to love. Underneath, before, even people who've had terrible backgrounds. I've worked with so many people with really horrific backgrounds. And underneath, each person has something in their life that brings joy or brings the sense of connection, whether it's walking in nature or the sunset or their dog or their teddy bear. And those moments, they are present. Mm. And they want to be present. And they know that to be really fulfilled, it's in these moments of presence that I can really be intimate and touched by life. So, so then there's this period, long period, where the clarity that everything I really long for requires that I'm present, and I'm absolutely frightened of being present. Okay, how do I work with these? I have a deep longing, and I have a deep fear. And so, that's good. Well, <laughs> we won't I'm, do anything without warmth. We, we yes, just, we're yeah. too frightened without warmth. Right. Your puppy gives you warmth. So you can't exclude that. That is of course. what a plant needs warmth to sprout, you know. There's, there's something in there about um, finding that comfortable place in oneself, but also um, we probably want to acknowledge there's places of discomfort as well. And, you know, how do we move if we've got that anxiety or fear that we're facing? How do we move in from comfort to, to discomfort? I've, yeah. First, first, I want to celebrate Moshe and celebrate his emphasis on finding your comfort, finding a way, you know, not pushing, really, really deconstructing a lot of the patterns we were raised with mm. in terms of aggression and force and willpower and all that. So that's just a great gift of Moshe. Unfortunately, that can also become. An, a, a negative ideology, like I should always be comfortable because mm. no one who's living a passionate life is always comfortable. Mm. So how to get comfortable within discomfort, yes. how to have intelligent discomfort, how mm. to find your way that you're not pushing yourself in uh, habitual ways that are destructive, but also, you're not shying away to try to stay in this cocoon of uh, everything's nice. Mm. So how to do that? Well, as Linda's saying, the warmth growing, which we do really well in the Embodied Life School, growing the sense of the I that is with whatever is alive here. That absolute unconditional acceptance mm. of even our smelly places 
<laughs> that, that that's part of the meditation practice is to it's not about controlling your mind mm. it's about we keep bringing warmth and clarity to any thought feeling or sensation that appears and when people get that when they stop fighting their pain and bring their warm heart to what's uncomfortable and they learn to listen to it. The mm. whole relationship to the inner life changes. Mm. Yeah? And, and I, I know I want to say before we can complete is to those who are listening, who um, hear some of this as kind of part of it as kind of spiritual language or part of it as emotional language, and, and that feels somehow they really love the, the physical basis of Feldenkrais work. What I want to say is it's a great beginning, but if you get lost in materialism, and to be lost in the physical body is to be lost in materialism. We are more than this material. And Feldenkrais knew this. He knew awareness was a new stage of consciousness, and that learning to bring this awareness through the body. He picked the body not for the body, but because it was so tangible. But if you end up celebrating just the body, you miss the, you, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know? It's, mm. it's, it's this capacity. Yes, begin with the physical body, but grow it out into spaciousness, grow it out into growing this warm-heartedness toward whatever appears, develop these qualities. This is not um, woo-woo language. This is not new age stuff. There's so much, um, oh, the, so much of what we're saying for certain people that, oh, that's a kind of new age thing, or that's a kind of, and I just wanna say, it may sound like that, but it's really different. We are talking about being grounded in our experience mm -hmm. and being really being able to take the principles that the nervous system learns by and enter new states that are available to all of us. Mm -hmm. This is based- and, and helpful for every human being. So just as in functional integration, how helpful it is to be able to help someone's relationship of their shoulder to the right and to the left. But that's so important when there's a difficulty or when there's someone who has, wants to improve their singing. We have ways to help that. But these are also ways to help the human being who's carrying all this, which you cannot see. And that is how we help, and we help through movement, and to also enter into the relationality of one another and the world we live in. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank Let you. Let me say, add one more thing for Feldenkrais people. Um, you know, you can apply we have worked with many people with really difficult back conditions and you work on their back they get a little better and then they get worse and then they do a movement they get a little better they get, 
But when you start including, how are they, how is the space around their back? Can they sense behind themselves? Can they open attention to the world behind them and also down under them? When space becomes part of bodily experience, your functional integration and awareness through movement mm. improves Doubles. enormously. Mm. So this is Thank very practical work. Thank you. That's that's an amazing tip for for both <laughs> of us, um, Heidi. I wonder if you want to ask any uh, one more question at all. Oh, I'm just really um, committed now. I think to trying to pursue what you've really um, put out for us. I think that it's been a beautiful journey of, and I'm wanting to go a little bit deeper and further. Yeah. So I'm really grateful. To, to talk to you today i really um well, i guess we're, we're very much hoping to return to australia once once everything is more open uh, yes. we miss coming and and being with you all and uh, yeah. we'd love to come yeah. be so here. find a, an extension of space literally <laughs> to our great world <laughs> like linda said we we did 12 years we came every year for at least a month our daughter was raised with stories of wombats and yeah. uh, and <laughs> koalas and, and and still to this day we had it we had an au pair from australia who traveled with us and <laughs> our, she had her neck to knees when she was six years old and would go play in, in perth and and uh, in brisbane and Brizzy. We, went, we went to the uh what, Princess Di and Prince Charles, we were taken to the opera house for their arrival. When they came in on the bicentennial, <laughs> we were there. Wow. We, we did the first Sydney training and the first Melbourne training, the first Brizzy. And I don't know, was that the first Perth we were in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've been in those four areas mostly. Um, and when, I guess we start. Yeah, we started coming in the very first Sydney program. In '88 or '89 was our first time. We came every year until well, yeah, 2002. Was, I think. Liliana yeah. was three, four months. Yeah, something. So let's come again. We'd very love good. to. We're so yeah. lucky that you've had such an extensive background in Australia, and definitely we'd love. To, once our borders and boundaries are open, we'd love to keep that yeah. connection happening. So yeah, I think it's yeah. wonderful. I think it's a wonderful teaching to pass on to the continent. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. I really personally enjoyed it, and I hope lots of other people will enjoy this recording. Um, it was such, yeah, such an experience to talk to someone who gave Moshe Feldenkrais functional integration lessons. It's just <laughs> beautiful in itself. Um, you've, you've shown us the preciseness of being able to be in ourselves so that we can start dropping some of the edges that we've accumulated. You showed us how trying to bring that warmth, the, the actual gestures and the human so that we can become such greater human beings and really expand to our full capacity. So I'm so grateful that you've been able to share that with us today. So you can reach Russell and Linda on the embodiedlife.org website. Um, they've got lots of amazing products that I'm definitely going to be looking into. Linda has a YouTube channel. Um, Russell's um, 
been part of the production of a book called Embodied Meditation. And um, Linda's also got another book called em Embodied Spaciousness. So these are all beautiful resources that we can look towards. So thank you once again, Linda and Russell. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you today. Thank you, both. Thank you, Libby. Thank, thank you so thank much. Thank you to thank moving you, Linda. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful day. Thank <laughs> you.